For he knows whereof we are made, he remembers that we are but dust. From the 103rd Psalm, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Last week I was catching up on a number of news and politics broadcasts that I frequently listen to. I wanted to hear the latest on the coronavirus epidemic, where it had most recently spread, which populations were suffering most, what kinds of relief and prevention actions were being contemplated. What I found instead across a number of news sources reporting on the story was actually not an update on a humanitarian crisis, but a series of economic analyses. I was appalled, though perhaps not surprised, to hear discussion and analysis of human suffering and death so quickly and immediately taken to the level of macroeconomics. How would the disease affect global markets? Would Chinese consumption of U.S. goods decline? What would that mean for U.S. markets, for global trade, etc., etc.? On and on, the pundits and analysts went discussing the impacts of a tragic disease as if it had nothing to do with human life, nothing to do with human suffering, nothing to do with death. As if all coronavirus was infecting were markets and capital flows. Now, I'm familiar enough with political economy and a scholarship to not be surprised by that kind of cold-hearted commentary. That's kind of the common speak of most economic discourse. What shocked me was not the lack of sympathy or empathy or thoughtlessness of human lives suffering from a disease, but instead how the commentary seemed to so desperately evade and avoid the topic of death. The virus has taken over 2,700 lives, and 80,000 cases of infection have been reported worldwide. But you wouldn't have known that from listening to the broadcasts. And while I think it's becoming clear that the virus probably won't become the kind of pandemic that some worried about, the reality is that this is an agent of death and suffering, and that, along with every other agent of death and suffering in our world, just terrifies us. We'd rather avoid it. In 1973, the American cultural anthropologist and philosopher Ernst Becker published his Pulitzer Prize-winning book, The Denial of Death. The book details the manifold ways in which human culture and civilization, politics and religion, consumption and social activity all embody aspects of the quite natural human defense mechanism against death. The knowledge of our mortality, Becker says, generates a deep anxiety that demands some kind of relief. In our best moments, humankind has sought to confront mortality and finitude directly, discovering the beauty and giftedness of our being creatures of God. We remember that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. But most of the time, Becker writes, the profound anxiety of the knowledge of death drives humans and human civilization 
to forms of absolute denial of death, bordering on psychosis often. We eat and drink and shop and fight and indulge and play and consume and dream the knowledge of our mortality away, at least until it inevitably returns again. What the church across the world does today as we mark our bodies with ash and confess our mortality and sin is to refuse the denial of death. Ash Wednesday is the church's great act of defiance in a world marked by the, by the denial of death. We will say it when no one else will. We will die. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. There's nothing more natural, more human, than to avoid that reality of our mortality, which is why Christians have always maintained that it is only by the virtue of hope, hope in God's salvation and redemption and resurrection, that we can name and acknowledge death in truthfulness. Avoidance of the knowledge of death is natural. Hope is not. Hope is a supernatural gift of God's grace, a theological virtue infused by grace into our souls. Hope comes from without. It comes from God. And it is only by the gift of hope that we can escape the denial of death, a denial which only destroys ourselves and those we love in its untruthfulness and avoidance. It is only by hope that we can face death and Ash Wednesday. So, what is our hope? What in the midst of death and pain and sorrow and ashes is our hope. As we receive ashes in just a few minutes on our heads and hear those truly painful but such true words, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. What is our hope? Our hope is that God remembers in a world in which we are dead set to desperately deny our mortality and obscure our fate and forget our plight from dust to dust, God remembers. He remembers, the psalmist declares. He remembers that we are but dust, for he knows whereof we are made. He remembers that we are but dust. He remembers. That is the hope of salvation. Amidst our deep sin and betrayal and denial and forgetting, God remembers us. God remembers that we are his creation, even when we refuse to. He remembers how the story began with divine hands shaping dust and dirt into life. He remembers that we are dust, and dust is good. Dust is God's creation, 
the foundation and floor of God's great and wonderful world, the stuff with which he fashions and raises up humankind. He remembers that we are but dust. And because the Lord remembers that we are but dust, he does not leave us as dust. From the beginning, we were made from dust, but destined for more. Dust destined for glory. Dust bound for heaven. God creates and saves us dusty creatures. Hear what the psalmist says. He who forgives all your sin and heals all your infirmities, who saves your life from the pit and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness, who satisfies you with good things, renewing your youth like an eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all those who are oppressed with wrong. The Lord is merciful to us dusty creatures. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our wickedness, the psalmist says. The Lord loves and saves his creation. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, God in his great mercy sent Jesus Christ, his only and eternal son, to take upon himself our dust, our dusty nature, to reconcile us to God, to join the dust of the earth to the life of God. He remembers that we are but dust. He remembers that we are broken and confused and fallen, sinful, feeble, and frail. He remembers we are but dust. But we are his dust. We are the dust he breathed into with his life-giving spirit at creation, and yet breathes new life into us by the spirit of resurrection. He remembers that we are but dust, dust which he took into the palms of his hand and fashioned us as creatures in his own image. He remembers we are dust, created by his goodness in the garden, but destined to be caregivers and keepers and tillers of new dust and the new creation. He remembers that we are but dust, and that is the hope of salvation. God does not forget even the dust. God redeems it, and he redeems us. So as we begin this season of Lent today in repentance and fasting and prayer, let us boldly confess with words and ashes whereof we are made, where we shall go, but also to whom we belong, because that is the hope of our salvation. Remember you are dust, but remember that he remembers we are but dust. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.